Welcome back to Functional Theology with Pastor Chad Ashby. That's me. I'm glad to have you guys here. I don't know how you found this podcast, but you've caught us right in the middle of Season 2, where we are focusing on missionary heroes. Just a couple quick plugs. If you want to follow more of my content, you can always read the stuff that I'm writing at my uh, blog, chadashby.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at chad underscore ashby. But I'm so glad you guys have joined me for our third missionary. We've learned about George Leal and the importance of church planting in taking the gospel to the nations. And we also, last time, sort of um, investigated what it looks like to be called into missions in the life of Lottie Moon, whom many of you, I'm sure, already knew. Today, we're going to be thinking about what it means to count the cost, because there is a great cost that comes with going to missions. I think that probably, in many of our minds, if it was easy, I would, I'm sure there would be more of us who would go, but it's the, the extreme cost, and the cost even today isn't, I would say, nearly as uh, high as it was, say, 100 or 150 years ago. But today we're going to look at what it means to count the cost in the life of a missionary maybe you've heard of and maybe you know a lot about or maybe you you know you ought to know a lot about him because you've heard his name. His last name is uh, has become quite popular, uh, baby name actually, I feel like in some circles, particularly Baptist circles. The man I'm talking about, the man of the next 15 or 20 minutes is the man named Adoniram Judson. A few quick facts about Adoniram Judson. He lived from 1788 until 1850. He was the son of a Congregationalist pastor, but he himself was a Baptist missionary to Burma, which is modern-day Myanmar, and he was there as a missionary for 38 years. He was a graduate of Brown University. He's a very distinguished man. He uh, translated the entire Bible into Burmese. In fact, I believe, and I'm pretty certain of this, his translation of the Bible into Burmese is the only Burmese translation still to this day. So we'll find that's actually been true. A lot of these missionaries, Bible translation is a huge part of their ministry. In fact, we will be talking about a specific missionary later on in another episode. Um, who helps us to understand the importance of Bible translation and taking the gospel to the nations. Well, let's start with Judson's story, and we're going to begin in 1831. In 1831, the light began to dawn on an American missionary who had been laboring on the banks of the Irrawaddy River. Having shared the gospel for six years before his first convert, Adoniram Judson wrote of a surprising new atmosphere that was permeating the region surrounding his missionary outpost in the Buddhist stronghold of Ava in Burma. Quote, The spirit of inquiry is spreading everywhere, through the whole length and breadth of the land, Some come two or three months' journey from the borders of Siam and China, saying, Sir, we hear that there is an eternal hell. We are afraid of it. Do give us a writing that will tell us how to escape it. 
others from the frontiers of Cathay, a hundred miles north of Ava. Sir, we have seen a writing that tells of an eternal God. Are you the man that gives away such writings? If so, pray give us one, for we want to know the truth before we die. Judson sensed it was the beginning of a new season of ministry, he writes, and thanks be to God, our laborer, our labors are not in vain. We have three lovely churches and about 200 baptized converts. The great renovation of Burma is drawing near. Two words I want to point out there in his quote, our labors. Those are the two words that Judson chose to sum up his first 18 years on the mission field. What seeds had he sown? What tears had he shed? What labors had he endured before the renovation of Burma had begun? Let's pause in the story for a moment, and I want us to begin considering the cost of being a part of the kingdom, of taking the gospel to the nations, from Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Three instances where uh, people came to Jesus and seemed to think that they understood the cost and were ready to go with Jesus, but when they come, Jesus makes the cost even more costly. The first man claims he's going to follow Jesus wherever he goes, and Jesus points out the fact that that's going to mean he's going to have no home. The second man, Jesus says, follow me, and the, the, uh, the man responds, well, first, let me take care of my family affairs. I need to bury my own father. And Jesus says, essentially, you're going to have to leave all of that behind, even your family duties. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. And then the last one says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Just let me go and say farewell to those at home. And Jesus says, sort of similar to uh, Lot's wife with the, uh, you know, looking back and turning into a pillar of salt, this idea that if you put your hands to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Very, very hard sayings to receive. What does this mean? And I think we read things like this and it makes us afraid. It makes us fearful to put our hands to the plow because what may lie in the field ahead? Well, let's, let's look at the life of Adoniram Judson with this idea of putting the hands to the plow. Although he grew up a preacher's kid, Adoniram fell in with deist friends, particularly a young man named Jacob Ames while he was attending Brown University. Deism was a hot new philosophy, not so hot anymore. It, it flared very quickly and has quickly passed off the scene. <laughs> but it actually had a great influence in America for a very short span of years, including an influence over Judson. 
It asserted that although there was a creator God, he was impersonal and did not concern himself with the affairs of his creatures. On his 20th birthday, Judson publicly renounced his faith to the shame of his father and the sorrow of his mother, and chased his dream of turning his immense linguistic talents into stardom as a playwright in New York City. It only took six short weeks for him to find himself penniless, traveling with a band of homeless actors, bilking innkeepers. They often would stay places and then sneak out the back window without paying. And he decided, this is not the life for me. And he went back home. It was a turning point in his life. Uh, somewhat like, not unlike the prodigal son. In a small town, Adoniram was traveling home and had no money, so he was forced to share a bedroom with a sick man. And the man was on the other side of a thin sheet that had been hung in the middle of the room. All night he listened as the man tossed and groaned. In the morning he inquired of the innkeeper if the man's situation had improved. Ah, he is dead, said the innkeeper. Shocked, he followed by asking, Do you know who he was? Oh, yes. A young man from the college in Providence. Name was Amos. Was Ames. Jacob Ames. Judson came to a fateful realization that hell should open up in that country and, and snatch his friend Jacob Ames, his dearest friend and guide, from the next bed. This could not, simply could not, be a coincidence. So he went home. He hadn't become a Christian yet, but he enrolled in Andover Seminary, and it was in October of 1808, while attending seminary, that he gave his life to the Lord. At Andover, Judson came under the influence of students with a different passion, a passion for world missions. On June 28, 1810, Judson and several friends presented themselves to the congregational churches for missionary service. That very day, at the celebration supper, Adoniram met a young woman named Anne. Less than a month later, Judson wrote to Anne's father to ask for her hand. Here is a, a part of his letter of request. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure and her, sub, her, her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Now, we may chalk this up to a little bit of youthful um, uh, flair for the dramatic, but Judson, little did he know how true these words would become. Anne and Adoniram were married February 5th, 1812, just 12 days before setting sail for Burma with six other American missionaries. On the voyage, Judson became a convictional Baptist and which made for a very practical um, quandary for him because he was being sent as a congregational missionary to make congregational converts and plant congregational churches. So he had to forfeit the support of the churches he had worked so hard, uh, the support he had worked so hard to gather. Well, when he arrived in India, India, Judson met another famous missionary, perhaps you know him, William Carey a Baptist, who volunteered to help support Justice Judson's work through the Baptist missions funds that he had access to. 
When they finally arrived in Rangoon, they entered the realm of despotic power where every man, woman, and certainly missionary lived or died at the whim of a Buddhist emperor. They were met with 108-degree heat, cholera, malaria, dysentery, and unknown miseries that would eventually take the lives of two of Judson's wives, seven of his 13 children, and countless missionary colleagues. For eight years they labored in Rangoon. The fewer than 10 Burmese converts that they had uh, converted to Jesus lived under constant threat of persecution and imminent death. Anne's health faltered, and in December 1823, she was forced to take the long voyage home to America to recover. She wouldn't return for two whole years. While she was in the United States, Anne wrote a book that stirred the fervor for, missionary, for missions, an account of the American Baptist mission to the Burmese Empire. Shortly after her return, the Judsons were forced to move to Ava, the capital city of Burma. In 1823, the Burmese went to war with the British, and every foreigner was rounded up and thrown in prison. Judson was beaten, dragged from his home, and locked in a jail where prisoners were hung by their feet at night to prevent escape. Day by day, Anne, who had lost two pregnancies and was expecting her third, walked two miles, both ways, to bring food to Adoniram and plead for his release. After the baby's birth, her milk dried up and she was forced to wander the streets pleading for a native woman to nurse her child. This lasted for 17 months. Less than a year later, Anne died. Six months following, his daughter died. Three months later, Adoniram got word that his father had died eight months before back in the States. Judson was devastated. He abandoned his missionary work and his Bible translation. He destroyed all his letters from America, commending his work. He renounced an honorary doctorate bestowed upon him from Brown University. October 1828, on the second anniversary of Anne's death, he built a hut for himself in the tiger-infested jungle and dug his own grave next to it. He wrote in a letter, God is to me the great unknown. I believe in him, but I find him not. Let's pause for a moment. I want to read to us from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. If we think about the Apostle Paul, his ministry, his mission, was very similar to Adoniram Judson and many of the other missionaries we um, will be talking about this season, in that his ministry was filled with suffering, beatings, imprisonment, 
great loss, loneliness. But how did Paul find joy in suffering? It wasn't that he was just a glutton for punishment, that he just enjoyed suffering for suffering's sake. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. That's where Paul realized the point. Suffering was for someone else. In the same way the Lord Jesus suffered for our sake, Paul rejoices in the ability to join Jesus in suffering for the sake of the church. Let's talk now about how Judson emerged from that spiritual darkness. Slowly, in 1830, he began to emerge from that deep jungle of despair. While in jail, he had told a fellow prisoner, It is possible my life will be spared. If so, with what ardor shall I pursue my work? If not, his will be done. The door will be open for others who would do the work better. Well, over the course of the next decade, the seed sown in sorrow would begin to produce a harvest of joy. Judson went on to mentor young missionaries, translate the, Bi- the entire Bible into Burmese, and produce a Burmese lexicon to help missionaries master the language. Burmese, who formerly considered Christianity a language of foreigners, began to flock to his missionary outpost. In 1834, he married again, a missionary widow named Sarah Boardman, and they had eight children together, five of them surviving childhood. In 1845, Sarah had grown so sick that Judson's family set sail for America. It was Adoniram's first trip home in 33 years. Sarah would only make it to the Horn of Africa. The ship stopped at an island long enough to dig her grave and hold a short funeral. When he arrived back in America, Judson did not sink into depression, but boldly proclaimed the need for more missionaries and funds to take the gospel to the nations. He married once more to a woman named Emily Chubbuck, and the two of them treasured the four years they had together in Burma. On her first anniversary, Emily wrote, It has been far the happiest year of my life, and what is in my eyes still more important, my husband says, it has been among the happiest of his. I never met with any man who could talk so well day after day on every subject, religious, literary, scientific, political, and nice baby talk. (laughs) The tropical illnesses finally did take hold of Adoniram in 1850. He was carried on board a ship in hope of finding treatment. He never made it. At sea, away from the Burmese church and his own family, Judson passed with these last dying words, How few there are who, who die so hard. The Burmese Bible was completely translated. His grammar was finished a valuable resource for generations of missionaries to follow. Hundreds of converts were leading the church. Today, there are close to 3,700 Baptist congregations in Myanmar who trace their origins back to this man who is not afraid to count the cost. Let me read to you once more as we close from Luke chapter 14. Now great crowds accompanied Jesus, and he, re- he turned to them and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, "Ah, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great far way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Certainly we can't fail to see how Adoniram illustrates the truth of this passage. I wonder in what ways you are learning in your own Christian life what it means to count the cost as a disciple of Jesus. Now, Jesus may not ask us to lose a wife or two or three. He may not ask us to lose children. He may not ask us to uh, suffer in prison or under various diseases, but is Jesus worth it if he does ask you? I think that's what the point Jesus is making is that our our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus and if he asks us to give up anything, we are willing to do it. What, What would make us trust him so much? Well, I think it has to come back to the fact that our Lord Jesus gave his own life for us. He certainly counted the cost and carried his cross for us and he wouldn't ask us to do that if we couldn't trust that he loves us and that he cares for us. Is the mission worth it? Well, here's a few resources if you'd like to follow up. John Piper has a nice little concise biography of Adoniram Judson. If you go to desiringgod.org, just search, just search Adoniram Judson and uh, his biography will pop up. Also, there's a there are several resources of many of these missionaries on online just in the public archives. You can find a memoir of Adoniram Judson by Jesse Clement, written in 1852. Uh, you can find that on Google Books. Also, the International Mission Board has a great little series, Missionaries You Should Know, and Nathan Finn has added an article on Adoniram Judson at imb.org. Check it out. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Missionary Heroes on Functional Theology. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I'll see you next time. Uh, in the meanwhile, you can always follow me on Twitter at Chad underscore Ashby. You can go like my author page, Chad C. Ashby, on Facebook. And you can find other writings at chadashby.com. Until next time. Yeah.